friends, if you're just tuning in, today we've got a special guest. I don't even want to say a special guest. Angela's been with us for a very, very long time. She's going to be bringing the message today, Angela Costello. Look, if you've never listened to her or share a message, don't click off of here today. Click on here, okay? You're not <laughs> by here by mistake. You're going to be blessed. So we've been praying everybody gets a, a, good, a good seat. Everybody got a good seat? Good. Right. And you got the best seat right there, right at your house. So share the message. We love you. Take off there. Do oh, that's awesome. Okay, so I'm assuming that most of you here have had your car inspected, right? So I, I recently got a newer car, which is a, you know, that's a, a major breakthrough for me because I'm, I'm a little tight. I don't like to go out into the debt ca chasm if I don't have to. And, and, uh, but anyway, uh, I went to get my car inspected. So as I dropped it off and went off to work, the last thing I expected was a, a phone call from the person doing the inspection that there was an issue. So he calls and he says, Angela, uh, I'm going to have to reject your car. Said, what? Okay, you know, I'm thinking, all right, we're calling the dealer. We're doing something. He said, no, 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 you need to come see this. And I said, okay, I'm intrigued. I come down. My car's on the lift. And I said, all right, what, what is, what's the problem? He said, you remember when that car tapped out? Somebody hit me in the front corner. I was sitting, basically sitting still, and they pulled out and hit me. So it wasn't my fault. Anyway, so, uh, um, Mumble, you're watching. It wasn't my fault. All right, anyway, so... Uh, uh, he said, Do you, I want you to see something. He said, on the outside, look at your tires. I said, yeah, they, they look good. All the, you know, tread, the whole nine yards, they, they look like new tires. He said, let me, let me show you something. Come on inside. My tires were worn down to the threads, all four tires on the inside. And I said, well, wait a minute. On the ground, it's looking good. He said, yeah, but, but what's really happening and how your car is handling the road uh, is a death trap. You need to be real careful. You're going to have to replace all four tires to straighten this up. And I said, is this a big deal? Will this repeat itself? He said, no. See this little thing right here? If you go like this, it straightens those out. If you go like this, it's, I, I don't understand all the semantics of alignment and, and balance and all that stuff. But when he got finished doing what he was doing and the computer was showing me what it was showing, it was very minor change fixed that problem. But I had no idea it was going on. My car wasn't driving weird. It wasn't rumbling. It wasn't rattling. But there was just a little thing from that impact that got off just a little bit that over time had worn out things I didn't even realize were getting worn out. You know, I, I had to laugh. It was kind of an expensive lesson. But I had to laugh as I was trying to figure out, Lord, what do you want me to preach about this weekend? And I felt like that God was saying, Angela, that's it. It's those things that happen that ever so slightly tweak your life that start to wear you out in places you don't even realize you're getting wore out in. And then when people look at you from one way, they say, oh, you got it all together, it's good, you're going on, you're peachy, great. We're good at that. Look at Facebook. We're awesome at saying everything is awesome. I never forget, I took Nicholas to Legoland, I guess it's been about six years ago, and when you walk in the gate, that song is pray, playing, everything is awesome, right? And by the time you leave, after hearing it for 300 hours, you come home and you're laying in bed going, everything is awesome. It's like it gets drilled in your head, whether you like it. The line, you're standing in a long line, everything is awesome. The, the, the snow cone is $25, everything is awesome. I mean, you're getting this, this constant barrage of messaging that's saying, no, no, it's really good. It's really good. But we've all gotten really good at that. At, at, at somehow just going, hey, I'm just going to go with what I got. I'm not really worried about recalibrating. I'm not worried about the balance on my tires. It isn't until something wears out or is about to blow that we are ready to make some changes. But I think God wants to make it a little easier than that. I don't think he wants to put us in the four-tire replacement category constantly. I think that subtle calibration would have made a big difference. So I really wanted to start today with, with Romans 3.23, you know, that, that whole sense of sometimes just falling a little short of just not knowing what you need to change or calibrate. And I want to encourage you today, you're not alone. You know, that what you see isn't always the facts. What you hear are not always the facts. But when you're talking about what God has to say for you and what God wants to do for you and where God wants to take you, you can take all that to the bank. But if you're comparing that with everybody else, you're going to see this, this huge chasm start to open up between the have and the have-nots and the wills and won'ts. 
But I want to encourage you today, you're, you're not alone. You're not alone if you feel like you fall short. But, I, you know, it's kind of that, which side are you on today? Are you on this part where you just need somebody to lift you up? Or are you at a place where you can reach out and help someone else? We all vacillate in those places. There have been times when y'all have stood up beside me, and I was right here hanging on by a thread. And the next thing I know, five cars are pulling in the driveway, and stuff's going in the house, and there's all sorts of stuff happening that just help to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm in a place where I can do this right now. But we all have to acknowledge that there are, are two sides. There are days when we are ready to go and days when we are not. There are days when we are falling short and days when we feel like, man, I'm, I'm right on target. There are days when your tires are out of alignment and you're aware of it. And days when you don't. We've all got these assumptions. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, we've got assumptions. When you're young, you can't wait to get older. And when you're older, you can't, woo, if I could just go back when I was 25. I mean, you see what I'm saying? We're in this constant flex. And we have all these assumptions about, well, it must be easier for you to do this because you're this. And it must be easier in your life because of that. We look at these things and we, we kind of factor out what God may be doing in and with someone. And we base it on what we see or what we hear or what we think we know. And we start making those assumptions of each other. We start making those assumptions of God. And we have to be really careful because there's one thing that we all have in common. I don't care if you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, NBC News, I don't care where you are, Hollywood. We have all sinned and fallen short. Every one of us has sinned and fallen short. And you're like, wow, Angela, thank you for being encouraging. Woo! There is encouragement in that if you understand the liberating nature of that comment. That the pressure is not on you to be perfect. The pressure is not on you to always do it right. The pressure is not on you to always do it, period. But that God wants to do something in your life, but it starts with that acknowledgement of you don't have it all together. On your best day, you still need Jesus. On your worst day, you are really aware you need Jesus. In other words, none of us are capable of bridging the gap between God and ourselves by our own efforts. By ourselves, we are not enough. We need Jesus. Do you know you need Jesus? Jesus gave his life on the cross to pay for our sins and our shortcomings. I put sins and shortcomings because when you look at Scripture, we've made some assumptions about what sin is and isn't. We, we interpret God talking about sin, and we, we somehow throw it. It's funny, I was listening to this week, somebody talking about sin, and they were throwing it in the direction of all the big stuff. Murder, violence, death, pestilence, right? No, but there's, there's that undercurrent. There's that, that little sin in our lives that's like the wearing out of my tires on the inside. We've come so accustomed to some of those things that we don't even know that it's separating us from God just as much as that tire is separating from the road. It can change your direction. Christ offered himself in love and he accomplished all that was needed for us to have access to the goodness of God and to be forgiven for eternity. Over and over and over forgiven. Everybody, I had somebody once say, well, once you're forgiven, always forgiven. Well, once saved, always saved. I, I do believe that, that once you, you accept Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, you got that connection. But I also believe that sin is a daily occurrence. I believe we fall apart in all sorts of places every day, which is a reminder of how much we need a relationship with God and how much we need to talk to him daily. We have all sinned and fallen short. Whoops. Sin impacts all of our lives every day. Romans 14.23 says, Everything that is not from faith is sin. Now that scripture is complicated. 
right? We need to maybe dig a little bit into that. Well, instead of derailing the whole message today, I have somebody that does a really good job of that. Take two minutes explaining that one scripture, and I think it's worth it. For many people, sin has been turned into a simple matter of target practice. As long as we hit the appropriate targets on the things that God commands or restricts, we are not sinning. While this idea that sin is missing the mark is a good start, the Bible goes much deeper to identify sin in our lives. In Romans 14.23, Paul tells us that everything which is not from faith is sin. To really grasp what Paul is telling us about sin, we must first understand what the word faith means in this verse. In Romans 4.20, Paul talks about Abraham's faith and tells us that he did not doubt the promise of God in unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. A good definition of faith from this verse would be trusting in the promises of God to accomplish his plan in our lives. If we then take this definition back to Romans 14.23, we can see that anytime we put our faith in ourselves, or in others, or in our money, we are not trusting the promises of God. And this is precisely what Paul equates to sin. The targets we aim for every day are destroyed by this all-encompassing meaning of sin because everything in our lives, from our food choices, to our television watching, to our financial decisions, to our time management, and even our Christian walk become contenders for sin. This means that every morning we must do more than avoid a list of things God doesn't want us to do. We must decide what we will put our faith in for that day. Will it be the promises of God, that He will never leave us or forsake us, that His mercies are new every morning, that He will work everything for the good of those that love Him? Or will we simply pay lip service to these promises while our real faith lies in the balance of our bank account, or the family we have, or the honor we get when we walk into church? Because if our faith is not in God, it doesn't matter what target we hit. The outcome is always sin. Simple explanation of a very complicated process. See, your sins are forgiven. Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you're forgiven. But what he's trying to explain there is that when you go into your daily life, when you go into the things you do every day, there is a point at which you can say, God, I don't care what you're doing. If you're rotating tires, Lord Jesus, go with me today. Help me today. Forgive my sins. Help me to not to do things on my own. Help me, God, to just rely on your presence in my life today, and then you get on with it. You're, you're taking a moment to dedicate whatever you're doing to God. You're taking a moment to hear what God has to say. You're taking a moment to acknowledge without him, there's one basic thing none of us will do every day. Ready? All right? So that in and out motion, that moment, the moment you breathe in, the moment you breathe out, it starts with that. When you wake up in the morning and you go... You're having a much better day than a lot of people are having. You may have hit the alarm clock six times, but you're having a much better day than someone who didn't and didn't know Jesus. So I, I know that sounds a, a little harsh when he says, look, you know, be careful. But it's the truth. It's that part of our lives that will wear out the inside of the tire. When we don't realize that in not acknowledging him in all that we do, it says in all your ways acknowledge him. That's just not talking just about church. That's life. I've spent most of my uh, early television career trying to figure out how to simplify the message. How do you simplify a powerful act? How do you simplify the Son of God in a way that people can understand? And, and it always came down to something like this, where you're, you're talking about the wages of sin is death. And then over here is God, and there's this gift, and he, he wants to bless you. But it's that belief and acceptance and that crossing over into faith that allows you to have access to all of this. And as I was looking at this and thinking, not once did I ever draw the arrows going the other way. There was not this, I'm going to reject God and go back here. There's, there, was, there was always this path of, hey, I want to figure out how I can get... Make that commitment to be closer to God. I need to believe. 
Over here, I got to pay for it. Over here, it's free. Can my brain comprehend that any mistake I make can be forgiven by God? We have difficulty with that sometimes. When I was uh, uh, in Africa, they would always, at the end of a, a service, the pastor would get up, and remember, we're in the middle of a field, and he's, he's standing on a little makeshift stage, and there's a couple of speakers, and there's all sorts of stuff going on, and I know I've told you guys this stuff before, and, and I imitate him because I love him so much, but he would take a rope towards the end of the service, and he'd roll that rope out, and the rope would get taut. And there was nobody in front of the rope. And then he'd get to the end of the service and he'd say, Okay, the wages of sin are death. And if you believe in Jesus, you will be saved. Step over the line. Everybody would look. He said, I'm not kidding. Step over the line. Pick which side are you on. I'll never forget that. And that's today. I'm standing here today telling you, step over the line. Which side are you on? Because on one side, you take the burden, you pay the price. Guilt, condemnation, fear, anxiety, fret, worry, freaking out. All those things that we do where we got to figure out how to balance it all and have the answers. And then when we step over here, sometimes we bring that nonsense with us. But we have a huge option of going, all right, God, help me. Help me. We've got to believe. We need to trust God and gratefully receive that gift of salvation, that gift that bridges that chasm we could never cross on our own. He makes it a safe passage for us to go, okay, I can cross over. He doesn't make it complicated. He's paid the price, but he gives you access. I mean, if any of us walked up to a long line at a restaurant, New York is always like this. There'll be a long line, the restaurant's really good, and then you'll see that one slick cat drive up, and he's got his car, and they open the door for him, and he goes up, and he says, and he goes right on in. He knew somebody. He knew somebody. He got right on in. He didn't wait in line. That was no big deal. He didn't stand out there sweating, fanning himself in the newspaper. He went right on in. You know somebody. You're in. There's no long line. There's no price to pay. It's paid for. You got VIP entry. You're in. Act like it. I know that doesn't sound harsh. Act like it. As a parent, I do that all the time. Come on, 15, act like it. I mean, it's like we put ages with things. I've been saying that since he was three. Three year old, act like it. I'm not sure what that is, but act like it. You see what I'm saying? We, we put that pressure on. Come on. There's, a, there's an expectation here. Well, the expectation when you have stepped over the line, when you've believed and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is that you are in. Nothing grieves me more than to talk to somebody at the end of their life and they say, well, I accepted Jesus when I was young, but I'm not sure anymore. You're in. Do you love Jesus? Yes. Do you accept that he died on the cross for your sins? Yes. Do you believe that he rose from the dead? Yes. By the way, do you know he's the only one that ever done that? Wow. Yes. You're in. It's not, sometimes it's really weird. We get our feelings all entangled with his truth. But I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I'm saved. Okay? What does feeling saved feel like? Well, there should just be this, this amazing peace. There should be like angels singing, you know, all this stuff. There is a peace that surpasses understanding. And you know where it comes? The minute you step over the line and quit doubting that he loves you and cares for you. Has anybody ever tried to give you something and you don't know him very well? Let's say it's an open drink. You don't know him very well. And then, hey, go, I'll put you a drink. You're like, you don't want to be rude. He's like, thanks. And you're thinking to yourself, because <laughs> you're not quite sure what's in it. Right? You know what he's offering you is all good. He doesn't want to do anything to harm you or hinder you. It's all good. He wants you to step over the line and into all the promises that he has for you. Do you need them or are you enough for you? Because I'm certainly not enough for me. I fall short on a daily basis. 
I'm not even joking, fall short on a daily basis. How about you? To fall short means to fail to reach that amount or standard that was expected, hoped for, causing disappointment. You fall short on a daily basis. Are there things you think you should have done, could have done, a little better? Are there things you wish you hadn't said, but you did say? That falling short can add condemnation. Remember, the devil is really less interested on what you did as he is on where you're going. And if he can keep you focused on what you did or said or could have done or would have done, he can keep you from going where you need to go, which is over the line into God's promises and say, God, I blew it again. Forgive me, please. Done. Newness every morning. I love that scripture that says you are new every morning. That when your feet hit the floor in the morning, thank you, Jesus, for a new day. I'm new today. It's an etch-a-sketch moment. Everything that I blew yesterday, I get to do differently today, please. And you know, if I blow it again, we do it again. Eventually, see, God is a patient and loving God. Sometimes I'm a little clueless. Sometimes it takes me a little while to learn something. I'll never forget, I was at this convention center and something wasn't coming on and there's always that one person that's complicated. And so he said, oh, I got this or whatever. And he pulls out like 300 feet of cable and he's rolling it around the building or whatever. And he finally gets to the other end and he plugs it in and nothing. And we're all just standing there and it was hilarious to me, but it wasn't to them. And, but this... Uh, this lady walked up and she said, are y'all having trouble with that thing right there? And they said, yeah, we can't get it to work. We think it's the cable, the XYZ, and the LMNOP aren't connecting to the jigamajig, you know. <laughs> All that man talk. She said, oh, honey. And she slid a picture over and went. <laughs> and with some special button that was the offset for the whatever. But it was funny. She knew where it was. She knew where the button was. She knew, where to, she knew the answer. But see, they were so busy knowing everything that they never stopped to ask the lady that run the facility, is there a secret to this? I learned a powerful lesson that day. Don't underestimate the little old lady at the front desk because she probably knows a whole lot of stuff and ask before you run out 300 feet of cable. Because, you know, that's a lot of later, right? So anyway, we all fall short. What's falling short look like? Woo! Homework algebra. That's what it looks like in my house right here. Right? Get it done. What's the problem? When, when you blow a gasket, pitch a fit, lose your temper, whatever it is, that's sin, but God's got it covered. Don't let the tires on your car look good on one side and be bald on the inside. That's just a thing. It happens. It happens to all of us. Am I making excuses for it? No, but I am acknowledging I fall short. God, I need you. Forgive me every day. Help me to get it together and do better. But if I never acknowledge it, it never gets better. Now, I do believe the elimination of algebra from our life will drastically improve that. But that's just me. So I'm praying for deliverance. But my point is, can you see yourself in this? That when you leave church on I can remember growing up, we would be going to Trinity Church. And we would leave at, uh, it started at 11, we'd leave at 10.30. And Daddy was in the car with the motor running, and we were three honks into it not being a good morning. Because he liked to be on time, or early was on time, right? And so we're all running around, Mama's trying to get us in the car. Then we finally all get in the car. Did anybody have this where you just, you just need to, all the way down the road, right? Because you're all irritated with each other. You made me late. You wouldn't get in the bathroom. You weren't sharing my toothbrush. I mean, do whatever it was. People getting on your nerves. And then all the way down the road, and then we'd pull in that parking lot, and it was like I had crossed over into the promised land. <laughs> Good morning. How are you? Good to see you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Good to be here. Good to see you. Then I'd go sit on that... Fourth pew, fourth pew from the back, left side, about five people in. That's where we sat every day. We had it right. Hey, good morning, good morning, good to see you, good morning, good morning. As you step over people, and then Daddy would look at me like, I wouldn't have to be stepping over them if you'd been on time. You see what I mean? He, he wanted to be on the inside. 
But, but do you see what I'm saying? That those fallen short moments, even on our most well-intentioned activities, get us. And we've got to figure out how to clear that slate, how to say, shake that etch schedule. Jesus, please forgive me. I'm going to try to do better this time. Falling short sometimes looks like this. Have you ever done everything you can and it's just quite not enough? It's like when, you're young, when you take your young kids to Bush Gardens, you carry them around all day, they do whatever they want to do, and on the way out they're crying because they didn't get the $9,000 wizard hat. <laughs> right? So you're like, for real right now, I have carried you around all day, it's been a great day, and now everything, we're going to cry the next 45 minutes home in traffic because I would not get you whatever it was you had to have. Right? That's that, that's that falling short moment where inside of here you're like, man, I thought I was doing good. And then there it was. That little bit of fall short that makes you just feel exhausted. And then there's that falling short at work. Where you're like, look, I'm doing everything I can do. I can't get it all done. You find yourself standing around the water cooler and you're complaining to one another. Well, did you hear about so-and-so? Because they did this why? And they're asking me to do this and that's their job. Do you see what I'm saying? Those falling short opportunities at work are a lot. There's plenty of them. Oh, and then there's that one falling short. You know that guilt that you feel when you just don't know what to do? You know that as a parent, sometimes you're like, honey, I'm doing everything I can. How can I help you? They can't tell you. You don't know what to do. But there's that new parent conundrum of, I'm a terrible mother. I can remember when Nicholas first came home, you know, and, and we're trying to figure out what to do, and I'm trying to, to understand all the process, and he's crying, and I don't know what to do, and my mom is like, oh, honey, you just need to do this. And you, you know, they have all, they've got that wisdom of knowing, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, wisdom, right? But you still, as he's crying in your arms and you're consoling him, you feel in your heart that connection that says, God, I wanted to stop, but... There's two parts of me. I want it to stop. And then there's the, please, Lord, let it stop. You know what I'm saying? And, then, and, the, and the, I want it to stop part of you feels, makes you feel guilty. Right? You feel, oh, my gosh, what a horrible mom. What mom feels like that? All of them. But the devil likes to isolate you and make you think, you're the only one that feels that way. You're the only one that falls short there. Surely nobody else has that issue. And then there's this kind of falling short. Where even as, a, as a, an adult, an older adult, and you're trying to reach out to somebody and say, hey, let me help you, let me show you the way, and they just don't want to hear it. And it grieves your heart. So you press a little harder, and it makes you sad. And then there's that other side, which could be even me. That hand's a lot younger than mine. But when you're trying to say, hey, Mom, let me help you. And you know that 2 and 2 is 11. You need to do this. No, I'm not doing that. I'm going to do this. You're trying your best, and you feel yourself almost frustrated, tug of war between good intentions, heartfelt anguish, and just feeling like, well, that's it. Have you ever had your... I met a lady in Texas once. We were at a feed and seed. It was Oklahoma. We were at a feed and seed. I was trying to pick up a John Deere little tractor for Nicholas on the way home from a trip. And she was in front of me, and she had a 50-pound bag of birdseed. And she put it up on the counter, and the, and the guy was ringing her up. As he drug it across, it hit the edge of the counter, and it split that bag. And seed went everywhere. And she had on a belt buckle and jeans, and she had to be 85 years old. But she looked good, had a little cowboy hat on. And he said, oh, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. That's the last bag we had. I'm sorry. I'll get you some more. I'll do something. We'll come back. She said, honey. My give a hooter broke a long time ago. She was letting him know right off the bat, there are things I'm going to react to, this isn't one of them. She had learned something along the way that had helped her just to say, okay. That comes with age and wisdom, I guess. But I find in this scenario, it's almost like a tug of war because you want so bad to do so much. You see what maybe they don't see. And they're telling you, quit looking. It's that fall short moment. And then there's those mistakes. You know, those things you run over in your mind. I wish I hadn't. I wish I could have. I should have changed this. If I could do it differently. And all that look back stuff. God's grace covers all of that. He wants you to be able to, to shake that etch-a-sketch in your heart and just go, look, Lord, okay, sorry. 
I'm going to do my best to not focus on that and instead focus on what you want me to do next. Because once God forgives you, you can move on if you will allow yourself to. It's time to relieve that pressure. God is not putting a pressure on you of perfection. He's not called you to be a perfectionist. He's called you to rely on him. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves. Well, I got to do this, got to do that, need to look like this, need to go here, need to go there. I don't know, but there's a lot of things. It's funny, a buddy turned me on to a sand pool filter. We have a small pool in the backyard, and he said, oh, the sand thing is awesome. So I hooked this thing up, right? And I noticed as I hook it up and turn it on, it's telling me it has this, you know, those cautionary notes at the bottom that are in like a black box with a couple asterisks, you know, and a little emoji of, <laughs> and it said that if the, if that gauge goes into the yellow or red, in a very politically correct, nice way, it basically said, run! It said, move away from the device, is what it said. Move away from the device. Briskly, I believe is how it read. Well, in my heart, I translated that to run. Because you're going to blow. Something's going to come out. It's going to be a dangerous thing. But we allow our lives to get like this. We take on more pressure than we need. We try to, to be all things to all people, and we can't. That's God's job. We forget that we've stepped over the line, and we take all the burdens from yesterday into today, and we carry them on with us. And all of a sudden, those, those cracks in the pavement, when the weight of things show up, and that's the place where you have been broken or hurt, where the weeds can grow or God can do a miracle. That crack in the pavement that comes from all that pressure of either carrying around something that you maybe have not realized was just impacting your walk with God so much. Or maybe it's just the, the hurt that seeds, can, those little seeds of hurt that get dropped in the process. And all of a sudden they grow easily. And it gets harder and harder to step over. It gets higher and higher. Next thing you know, it's one of them high jump things. You just feel like I just, just can't do it. Because it's mine. I got to carry it around. It's mine. I got reason to be mad. I got reason to be upset. I am totally, totally, totally right. I'm miserable, but I'm right. Is it worth it? Is it worth that being the identity and the weight that you carry? Because you see, when you carry around that unforgiveness for people, when you carry around that irritation, it says don't let the sun go down on your wrath. When you carry that stuff around and you take it into the next day, there's some ownership that you're taking of it. And all of a sudden, you, you find you're crying across that line, but you keep going back and forth because on this side of the line, that doesn't get to go. God wants you to drop those things. He wants you to be able to say, look, trust me with them. Over in here, he wants you to go like this. But is that, I know so many people that that's kind of become their identity, is that, that hurt, that anguish, that angst, that, that something that's happened. That's just become the weight they carry. You can do it. I've heard that over and over this past week. I was talking to somebody at the hospital, and they said, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And I know it was just the mantra of, of exhaustion. It's the mantra of, of, of emotion. It's the mantra of just feeling like I'm overwhelmed. I can't do it. You're right, you can't. But God can. I can't. God can do you trust him to do it? We always have excuses. Well, you know, I'll try. I just need more money. If I had more business, if I, if I could just get more followers, I don't know, Twitter, Facebook, my business would go good. If I, I don't know, I just need to be a little happier. Then maybe I can receive that whole forgiveness thing. I, I got to get some stuff done. I got to be better at just being a person. I need to do things a little more perfect. I think God expects perfection. I had somebody tell me that one. I think God expects perfection. No, God creates perfection, but he will not expect it out of you. And I'm not being harsh. I'm being realistic. Because your need for him is where he's allowing his perfection to work in you. So what you really need is more Jesus. What we need is a refreshing. We keep living this life like we got a helmet on. We don't want Jesus to touch us. We don't want him to, to fill us with his, his kindness and his love. We say we do, but we don't act like it. We put on a hat every chance we get. No, I got this. I got this. I'm good. 
Have you talked to Jesus about this, that, and that? No, I got it. I'm good. And you say, well, look, I don't have time to pray every morning. I'm rushed around. I hit the alarm clock six times. I got this. Fine. Get in the car and start praying. God, I need you. Take the hat off. Say, look, I need your refreshing. I need you to pour on me. I need you to help me to come, become that person that you want me to be. But I think sometimes we get caught up in, what if who God wants me to be isn't who I want to be? Isn't that weird? You say, Angela, is that possible? Yeah. Because you get used to being you. Have you ever heard somebody say, I've always done it like that? That's just the way we do it. In my family, that's how we do things. Wow. I'm open to something new if it's better. How about you? I'm open to his grace and mercy in my life on a daily basis, and I am willing to step in a different direction if that's where I need to be to find it. Because I'll tell you what, when you're living without peace, you will do whatever you need to do to find peace. And sometimes you get so used to the, it's like a, daddy worked in a submarine, and I'd go down in the submarine, and there was this noise. It was like a, it was a constant noise. And to me, I'm like, that would drive you crazy. And daddy's like, what? I don't even hear it anymore. That's the way we get sometimes. It's like a, a noise that's going on, and we don't even hear it anymore. And then somebody with peace walks in the situation, and they're like, noisy in here. What are you talking about? That's just the way we do No. Mm-mm. God has something better. You don't, you don't realize that your hearing's messed up. Let God help you have the peace that you're seeking. It's time to release that pressure that you've put on yourself or you've allowed other people to put on you. Who does God say you are? Get acquainted with that. Who does God say he is? Get really acquainted with that. And then the next thing you know, when, when you feel that tightening grip, whether it's people, places, or things starting to grasp you, you're able to say, whoa, 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 back up. In Jesus' name, I speak peace over my life. I don't receive the condemnation that you're putting on me because God says, uh-uh. I receive your peace. I don't receive uh, that threat. I went to the doctor the other day, and they were doing the family history. And they wanted to check all these boxes. And I said, well, that's nice. And then she started talking to me about all those boxes. And I said, look, I'm here to talk about a tick. A tick. I got a little tick bite thing. I said, I just want to make sure I'm not going to croak from a tick. That's all I'm here for. Well, I want to talk with you about these boxes. I said, do I have any problems that connect to those boxes? No, but that's your future. Oh, uh, no. In Jesus' name, no. I return that curse void in the name of Jesus. I speak health and healing over me. Yes, I did find out that I have a wheat allergy, and that is a very bad thing for Krispy Kreme donuts. But we're working through it. We're going to get delivered. My point is, people can speak things that cause this grip. You hear their voice louder than you hear God's voice. You don't hear God saying, I have set you free. You are redeemed. Everything that is coming against you, I will help you. I will fortify your foundation. I care for you far more than you can ask or think. I will do for you. Call on me. No, you hear 12-year-old doctor going, well, you know, statistically, that's your future. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. No. What do you accept and what do you reject? Base it on what God is trying to do in your life. Base it on what his word says. Base it on the promises. We've talked about the thousands of promises in here and that God never lies and that he always keeps his promises. Go find the promise that speaks to your situation. Write it on your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let it come out the pie hole, circle around and convince yourself. Because everybody else is doing this all day long without this. Who are you going to believe? Are your standards higher than God's? They say, Angela, come on. Look, if you can't forgive yourself for something, and God can, then you've just set your standard higher than his. Is that a safe place to be? Is that a smart place to be? No, that's an awful place to be because now you're thinking that God cannot accomplish what I need him to accomplish in my life and he can he wants you to let whatever it is go and let him handle it
Most Christians want to come somehow get here. I've accepted Jesus as Lord and personal Savior. I just expected life to just get peachy. You know, when I go on a missions trip and I'm talking to somebody and they accept Jesus and there's that powerful moment of when you first believe. That's amazing. And then it's followed by like Tuesday where you have to walk in faith and learn how to live in faith and learn how to read the scriptures. I'm talking people that are starting at the beginning who are just figuring out, okay, so how does this work? But they'd made some assumptions that it was kind of like the garment. You have arrived. Well, yeah, eternity is secure. Now let's get on to living life abundantly. Because we didn't say, okay, you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, your eternity is secure, now let's get on to eternity. No, he's called you to live out the life that he's given you, the gift of life. Now we're into this. So, so we've made some assumptions. And it's funny, when I talk to people, they say, they kind of feel it's Christian walk is like this. You know, as I get older, I'll just mature, and I'll kind of, I'll, I'll get closer to God as I get older and as I learn these things. And it's just this syncopated rhythm of how it's going to happen. No, it's like this. You want to get closer to God and you feel all alone and then somebody has to help you. And then you want to get closer to God and something happened and they want to help you. And then all of a sudden, there's that catastrophic moment that you didn't expect. Oh, Lord, God, help me. And then there are people propping you up, pointing you in the right direction if you will let them. But pride will say, I got it. I don't need you. Pride will say, no, I'm going to find my own way. Pride's going to go on Facebook and tell off whoever it was who tried to help. Are you in a place where you are realistic with the fact that your walk with Jesus depends on your relationship with Him and your willingness to accept the answers to your prayers which may come via the people right next to you or around you right now? Uh, other night, I hope you don't mind me telling this, I was praying and all sorts of stuff was going on up in the middle of the night, and I said, God, wow, this is heavy. Feeling a little alone here. I know I'm not, but wow. Next day, I'm getting ready to go to work. Buddy calls me, and he says, Angela, Grandma just called me. She said, I got, I got to tell you, this is something different for Grandma. At 4 o'clock in the morning, God woke her up praying for you. That was the same time I was praying for me. <laughs> I didn't know two or more were gathering. I figured it was just me and Jesus. But God knew I needed to know that he cared enough about me to put me on someone's heart that I didn't even expect. He knew I needed that. He does it all the time with many of you. I'll send you a little text or something silly if I got your number to say, hey, praying for you today. It's a no-pressure thing. It's just something where God is saying, look, there's somebody that needs to know that I care. They can't hear me, so you tell them. Did you know that's the power you have? That some days we can't hear God. We can't see God. We don't know why we feel so separated. And then you step in with a kind word or a smile or a gesture or a praying for you text. And you change everything. Did you know you have that, that power? That the Holy Spirit has given you that gift. It's time to grow in His grace. It's time to allow His grace to grow in our lives. we got to accept that you are included in the all. I am included in the all. I've fallen short. And I'm not trying to lament that, oh, well, you know, I've fallen short. No! I've fallen short. Jesus, I need you. There are things I cannot do. Most things, all things, I cannot do without him. It's that acknowledgement of need that changes things. I have a friend that every time something bad happens, he'll say, well, it's a new opportunity to grow. You know, he's politically correct. He's at work. New opportunity for growth. Life offers new opportunity to grow in grace every day. Attitudes, people, places, things, bills, whatever. Family, friends, 
neighbors, dogs, all those things that can push your button and wear you out. Toilet running, can't get it to stop. Wearing out the inside of the tires. Miles was looking at me going, Angela, for real? <laughs> but but my, my point is, those little things, there's an old saying, it's worse to be nibbled at by minnows than to be swallowed by a whale. It's those little things, those opportunities to grow. Scripture accommodates all those things. It's funny, when I look at this, and I was, somebody was explaining what this is, and it's, oh, that's my notes when I was, I don't know, 35. And the pink is when I was about to get married. See all the little hearts? The pink is I was getting married. And the green, boy, we were having some financial issues. And the blue was I was just kind of sad, and I just needed God to lift me up. But do you see how those same passages, as the seasons of life change, all of a sudden they begin to mean different things. You read them a little differently. You grow up a little bit. You step over the line a little farther. And next thing you know, the promises speak to you in a way that they haven't spoken to you before. And scripture begins to, to leap off the page, and, and you begin to walk through life with the power of scripture. Often we have many opportunities, and there are a lot of times there's plenty of them all at once. Those opportunities to grow. And, you know, okay, let's just say, you know, okay, this is Nicholas in high school, and this is work, and that's me trying to help mama, and that's the guy telling me I can't eat a Krispy Kreme donut. And, I mean, you see what I'm saying? There's all this stuff, right? And I would really love to say that as life throws 100 things at you at once and as all these opportunities to grow happen, all these opportunities to seek the Lord and grow in your faith, that it would somehow be like this. It is not. It is like this. It's a mess. It's a mess. You got to seek. You got to figure it out. Lord, help me. I'm up to my eyeballs. I stepped in a hole. I'm at my knees. I was watching some guy on one of Discovery Channel shows the other night, and I was reminded of Plum Tree Island because when I was a kid, Daddy would always say, watch it when you're clamming and stuff because you can step in a place where it'll... <laughs> next thing you know, your boots are missing. And that guy was clamming, and he stepped in a hole, and next thing you know, he's up to here screaming, help me. And I just remember that, how easy it was to go over your head. Are you in any places where it's easy to get over your head? Are your tires worn out on the inside and you don't know it? When the opportunities to grow in, increase, we need to learn how to cultivate our faith. Cultivate. You know me. It's to prepare to use. You've got to cultivate your faith. You've got to look and search and seek and say, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? How do I, what do you want me to do in this situation? What does your word have to say about this? You've got to seek and you will find as you till and you plow and you dig and you hoe and you, you've got to work at seeking what God has for you instead of just doing what you've always done. Take a step and seek what he wants you to do. You've got to figure out how to not only Prepare the soil to receive what God has, which is when you pray and when you're just saying, God, you know, whatever's in my heart, please forgive me for the sins I've committed. Help me, God, to hear you as you're doing those things. You are cultivating an opportunity for God to speak to you. And then there's the sowing. What does it mean when you sow in the Spirit? You sow to the Spirit when you, in the Spirit, when you bear the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. All those fruit of the Spirit things. You're now beginning to sow. You're showing that you're acknowledging that, God, I, I understand this is the way you do things. I'm going to try to do the way you want me to do things. Every time you spend time in God's word and speak the truth in love and you honor his word and you offer praise to God for his goodness, you are sowing in the spirit. You're saying, God, I believe you. I trust you. I need you. Your word says the Lord loves to hear you speak his word because that means you are reading his love letter to you. That means you are paying attention to the promises he has for you. You are acknowledging his promises. We've got to figure out how to cultivate, how to, this is beautiful, but my yard don't look like that. I'm out there pulling weeds because weeds grow fast. Did you know that there are thousands of, of seeds for weeds? Right? Thousands. And they come from all sorts of places. 
So that constant daily struggle to pull those weeds, be it what people said, did, should have done, could have done, might do. Got to constantly pull those weeds and cultivate. So what are you cultivating? It says faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain. That's about 100 mustard seeds at least. That's a finger. It's the smallest seed on the planet. One of the smallest. But it's teeny, weeny, weeny, weeny. And if all that it takes is just that little bit of faith to move a mountain, what are we cultivating? I don't know. Some days I feel like I'm cultivating worry. What am I going to do? Where's this going to go? How am I going to get here? What am I going to do there? Some days you're cultivating WebMD. Read too much, know too much, think too much. You ever notice every time you look something up on WebMD, it's a tumor? Right? Or maybe you're just cultivating what other people have said. They said I would never make anything of myself. They said I'd never pass, I'd never make it, I'd never do this, I'd never do that. Those voices, why do they stick? Why do they stick? I've told this story to you before, and I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, but it's just a fact. In high school, guidance counselor told me, well, girls that play sports don't go to college. And when I went to Harvard, I went... <laughs> but there's that... It's not a pride thing, but there was a point there where I could have accepted that. I could have accepted that seed and let that grow and just go, you know, uh-uh. You have to be stronger than the voices you hear that are telling you the things that are contrary to God. Has God ever looked at you and said, oh, well, you're ugly, you're fat, you're this, you're that? No. He says, you are precious in my sight. Do you feel that? Do you know that? As my African friend would say, step over the line. I need you to know. You are precious. His promises are for you. Your mistakes are are forgiven. That pruning part of that whole process, we keep thinking, oh, ouch. And then the more I realize, when something gets pruned, it's so you can grow more. It's not trying to, to when you have to seek, when I seek the Lord, and he's like, okay, Angela, you need to not do this. All right, Angela, you need to not do that. Have you ever had somebody offer you a great deal? Come do X. And then in your heart, you're like, uh-uh. But, and then you start arguing. Well, Lord, there's a lot of commas and zeros there. And he says, no. But really, what about, you find yourself kind of negotiating. But at the end of the day, you know that you've got to let that go. Because what you don't prune off will suck your energy away from what God really wants to bless you with. All have sinned and fallen short. In Romans, Paul writes, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Basically, when you walk over the line, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. No condemnation. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. By walking in the Spirit, that means obeying God, depending on His help. When we walk in the Spirit, we can experience victory over sin and our shortcomings every day. We can walk with God in our everyday lives and know His presence. Billy Graham, I was very fascinated with him when I was younger. And I used to always think, man, he's intense. Every time he'd come to down, uh, Mom and Daddy, we'd all go. Hampton Coliseum. I remember the last time we went, Hampton Coliseum, as you're looking in on the, right, on the left side, about three of those up. I remember because when they, when they had that thing just at the end, you know, where, where everybody could come up, just seeing the aisles fill. And I thought, wow, but I, as a young person, I remember listening to what he was saying, and I thought, holy moly, he's direct. He just told it like it was. One of, the, one of the sermons that he preached said this, I cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit of my own strength. I cannot love, I cannot have joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance by myself. I have no power. But I'm looking at a coliseum full of people. Seems like he's got some power, he's got some pull, got some clout going on. And then he said, but the Holy Spirit who lives in me since I received Christ as my Savior is the one who gives me the power to love. He gives me the joy, he gives me the peace, he gives me the patience, he bears the fruit in my life. He immediately flipped the switch, he said, hey, don't come running up here to me. 
up here to run to Jesus because short of him, I'm nothing. And then he went on. And this is the part that kind of was sobering. He said, you say, and he was talking to everybody that was still sitting after the whole place had filled up on the floor. He said, you say, I am a Christian. He said, are you? And I thought, whoo, pretty intense. Well, let's see, what kind of fruit have you produced? Is your life filled with immorality? Is it filled with idolatry? That is, do you have more time for other things than you do God? Is there hatred? Is there wrath? Is there strife? Is there envy? Is there jealousy? And what he was saying in a very American way was, step over the line. Let those things go. It was a call to repentance. It was saying, you know Jesus. You've accepted Jesus. You know better. Act like it. He was doing what I do to Nicholas. You know better. Act like it. Why is acting like it so hard? Because when you're in the middle of it, all you think is what you're missing. What you're going to miss, what you're going to lose. The comfort, isn't it funny that crisis can feel comfortable? I have met people that live in a constant state of crisis because that's kind of where they roll. That's their mojo. But when you can finally drag them over here and say, feel that? Man, it's peace. I, remember, I mean, I have all sorts of redneck uh, little things. You know, I remember growing up, Daddy would say, you know, we'd be like, oh, the water's hot. He said, step out. Because when you're at your knees, the water's warm. Step a couple feet in, it comes up here. All of a sudden, you can feel that place where it changes in temperature. Now it's a bit more refreshing. That's it. I feel like the Lord is constantly trying to tell us, look, you know, I'm trying to refresh you. I'm trying to show you where that refreshing is. We've got to get in that spot. We've got to get in that place. We've got to let some of these petty things go so that we can have what God intended for us. I've had people say, well, wait a minute. If I let it go, does that mean I have to go do this? No, this is about you and God. This is about you saying, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to receive from you. I want to be in a better place. Help me. He'll take it from there. He's got the other stuff. He knows what to do because we've all sinned and fallen short. There are three important things to do. When you sin, confess it right away. Fall short, confess it right away. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I harbor sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. I'm reminded that that's pre-crucifixion, but I'm like, wow, that is a powerful message of God cares that you acknowledge that something needs to change. God understands that even as believers, we will sin, we'll fall short, but he has already provided forgiveness through Christ's death on the cross. In John 1.9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, as soon as we recognize them, we can begin to be free of the guilt and condemnation that they can bring if you let them linger. Everybody's looking at me like, come on, Angela, really? Is this supposed to be uplifting? Yes. I'm trying to let you know that those things that you harbor in your heart that you say, well, God can't really give that to me because of this. Those if-then statements that we have made up, they're false. They're just preventing you from receiving what God has for you, the extra blessing God has for you. Next, this is two of the three things. Talk to God often. Every day we should set aside some time to pray. We talk about this every Sunday. Set aside some time to, to, to just pray and ask God to please help me. Even if it's just a few minutes, you'll, dis you'll discover that if you spend a couple minutes, it'll turn into more than a couple minutes. And the next thing you know, you're like, wow. You start to notice God moving because somehow you just talked about that. Even if it's, Lord, you know, give me a favor at work. I really need some help with X, Y, Z. You begin to look for things to be different. You begin to notice when they are. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What it's admonishing you is that, that constant attitude of prayer, that as you go through your day, you can be talking to God in your head as you're driving down the road. You can be talking to God out loud if you want. If you, sometimes I pretend I'm talking on the phone and I'm talking to God. You can... Allow that, that constant connection. Hey, Lord, you know, help me with this, Jesus. It could be just a, 
But what it does is it starts to make you sensitive. And then all of a sudden, when you're at that intersection and you need to stop and not go, you recognize his voice and you stop. Or when he says, hey, see that lady in front of you? She don't have enough money for that milk. She's putting it back. Hey, go get that. And you do. That sensitivity that comes from relationship. Relationship comes from talking. Sharing. God can handle it. He can handle how you feel. He can handle what you think. Be honest with him. He'll meet you where you are. If we practice praying often, then walking in the Spirit becomes a powerful reality. All of a sudden, there's, you're, I call it manure. Some people call it their spidey senses. But you know how you just know stuff sometimes. You're like, well, I, need to, I don't know what it is. I don't have all the answers, but I know I need to go. I remember one night, it was something weird. It was like, I, I don't know. I, I can't think. I, I don't know if it was like candy corn or something. Somebody needed it. It was something silly. And I thought, what in the world? And I said, I don't know. I felt like I needed to come out and drop this off. And I, it was just something silly. I can't remember exactly what it was. But I just remember the impact of them opening the door going, we were right in the middle of this project, and we weren't finished, and we needed like 15 more of these. How did you know that? I thought, I don't know. I just thought it was weird. <laughs> but, the, but it blessed me to know that I could hear. It was, it was nothing. And that I didn't just cast it aside, because then I would have missed that moment of, I, I, there, there is a power that comes with just walking with the Lord through your day, even if it's just, Lord Jesus, help me find the right tool. And I'm not talking in a joking way. I'm really talking, all right, Lord, I need your help. And all of a sudden, you'll think of things you never thought of before. You'll find stuff that's been lost for months. He wants to speak to you. He wants to help you. And then that third and final thing, oops, Put others' needs ahead of your own. Many of you here already do that in so many ways. But it's interesting, that attitude that comes with that. The, it's the opposite uh, of walking in the spirit is kind of walking in the flesh. If you've met anybody that says, me first. Anybody have any of those people? Know any of those folks? Me first. It's not a pleasant experience. Well, to walk in the spirit, we've got to live with a completely different attitude. Mark tells us that, Jesus challenged us to follow his example. Whoever wants to be first has got to be a servant to all. First will be last. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Have the courage to ask God without your list of restrictions, how can I be a blessing to others? That list of restrictions, you know, the one that says, I don't have the money, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy. Not enough time in a day, can't do one more thing. Because you'd be surprised at how simple that connection can be and how powerful it can leave you feeling when you realize, oh, I can, I can hear, I can help. I'm a part of this process. God is speaking to me. He cares for me. When we walk in the Spirit, we experience God's goodness in our own lives. We grow to appreciate His forgiveness of our sins. We understand that we have and will continue to fall short, and that's why we need Jesus. He will give us strength for each day, and the access to the power of his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, his kindness. In Psalm 34, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. I picked a lemon on purpose, because lemon by itself isn't always that good. But when you add something to it, it changes. There's something about it where you, you mix it the right way, it changes. When you mix the Holy Spirit into your life, when you allow Jesus to be a part of your daily life, it changes. Even the parts of you, the places that really have a more lemon-esque quality, God will change them. He will change you and how you deal with them. He will help you to know exactly what you need to do in every situation if you trust him. But it really all starts with just having that opportunity every day to say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. It's not a condemning statement because he died for your sins. What he's asking you to do is to give them to him. 
to acknowledge that, you know, Lord, there are places I fall short, I want to do better. I need you to help me. And he will. He wants that relationship with you. Don't let something hinder the power of the promises in your life that God wants to give you. It's really this simple. Lord Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. It's really that simple. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I don't know all the stuff that goes on around me and everyone's life or even those who are watching online right now. But what I do know is that, God, you are a gracious, loving, caring God. You want to help us, Lord God, in all those places where we fall short. You want to be the one to lift us up and encourage us and bring us to that higher ground, that new place, that blessed place. So God, I pray right now, anyone that is listening right now and you are uncertain, if you know Jesus as Lord and personal Savior, I'm asking you right now, take this seriously. We all come to that point where we say, you know, maybe tomorrow or when I feel better, how about right now? If I'm offering you something amazingly, awesome, wonderfully good, I'm telling you right now, it will change everything. Why would you want to reject it? And if you're looking at me right now and you're saying, I'm not worthy, none of us are. That's grace. God has that for you today. So right now, Lord Jesus, I, I just pray right now, if you need Jesus, I pray, you, all you have to say is, Lord Jesus, please come into my heart. I acknowledge you, Father, as a, a Savior that died on the cross for my sins, who rose from the dead, who has given me the promise of eternity, who wants to be my loving, caring, personal Savior. I need you. Please come into my heart. Please, Lord God, forgive me for the sins I've committed, the mistakes that I've made. Help me, God, to be made every bit whole and to know how to follow you. Jesus' name.